This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, you got to meet Annie Hyman Pratt, who's the former CEO of Coffee Bean. You got to hear how focus and really narrowing it down to one thing helped her scale what was a small family business into a coffee empire. So if you missed that episode, make sure you go back and check it out. This week, we are going to talk about the six lies that are crushing your productivity. Today, we live in a culture that's obsessed with productivity. If you were to go into the Google machine and actually type in the word productivity, it would turn out over 215 million results. And there's all kinds of articles full of advice and self-assured statements designed to help us become more productive. Yet, we're all struggling more than we've ever struggled before to feel like we're in control of our time. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you look up at the end of the day and you go, gosh, did I, did I even get anything done? Or you know that you're really busy, but you don't feel like you're being effective. Clearly, with, with all of us feeling this way, there's some myths. There are some lies going around when it comes to productivity. And I think this is a fundamental flaw in the traditional thinking about the topic. Much of the material out there assumes that we have plenty of attention for lots of important things. And therefore, we're going to get everything done if we just work at it. But that's not even close to the truth. And it's that misconception that people think there's enough time to do it all that has spawned these six lies that are crushing your productivity. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. The first is that everything matters equally. I want you to think about a time where you made a to-do list. You sat, you sat down with a piece of paper and you started writing out all the things that you needed to do. How did you go about choosing which one to do first? Quite often when I, when I get on the phone with some of the people I've interacted with based on the podcast or the people in our live streams that we do twice a week on the Facebook page, people will choose the thing that is easiest to get done. Why do you think that is? I remember talking with Jay about this and he mentioned that in our brain, it feels good when we cross something off the list. We actually get a dopamine hit in our brain. It chemically feels good to get something done. So when you look at all the things that you need to do, you look at that list of 20 action items, there's 20 items on there. You got to imagine that the goal is to get that down to zero. So what are you going to do? You're going to do the thing that you can get done right away, easiest, cross that off the list and get that dopamine hit. 
The challenge is that rarely is the most important thing. Every single day that we wake up and we go through the day assuming that all the things that need to be done matter equally is that first step in crushing our productivity. So how can you start to define the things that truly matter? This is where in the book, The One Thing, we talk about turning your to-do list to a success list. The first step is to write all the things down that you need to do. Make your to-do list. But then go ahead and rank them in order of priority. If I could only do one thing on this list, what is the one thing that I could do such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? And you put a number one next to that. And then you get to say, all right, if I got that done, what would be the next thing that I could do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? Put a number two next to that and continue throughout to the point where all of them have been ranked. Thinking this way forces us to prioritize the big rocks and make sure we do those first. Now, oftentimes, (laughs) those big rocks, they don't get done in one sitting. They're big rocks for a reason. They take real effort. Sometimes they're challenging to do, but they're the things that really move the ball in your life, whether that be in your business life or your personal life. What do you think your world would look like if all you did was focus on knocking out those major, those big rocks that really, really move the ball? Do you think you'd be more productive? Undoubtedly. But if you're like me, you probably start to have these limiting beliefs that pop up around, well, I have to check my email. I have to be at those meetings. I have to handle these little tasks. They're so far from my big rocks, but they still need to be done. I 100% understand. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But it's about making sure that you're doing your big rocks first and then carving time out to handle that 80% work, you know, all those little tasks that just seem to pile up and never go away, like email, doing those in batches. The second lie is something that I feel a lot of us do every single day. Uh, from every, I can remember since I was a kid, I was taught that this is a strength, that if you are good at this one thing, then that means you are going to be a super productive human being, and it is just a lie. And that is multitasking. I'm curious how many of you who are listening to this right now Pride yourself on the fact that you can multitask. You can do more than one thing at once. This was certainly me. So if, if, if that's you, you're 100% off the hook because I, I was in those shoes too. And it wasn't until I moved to Austin to work with Gary J and the One Thing team, I realized that it was a lie. And, and a lot of it just came down to, here's a perfect example. Think about your email. Think about a time when you were writing an email to somebody and then all of a sudden your phone rang. You stopped what you were doing for the split second. You looked at your phone. Maybe you answered it, said you couldn't talk right now. You hung up and you looked back to your computer and then you realized all of a sudden that you don't remember where you were. So what did you do? You went back up to the top of the email and you started reading what you wrote and then you picked it back up from there. That seems insignificant, but what happened there was something that we call task switching. And there is a real cost to it because on a subconscious level, when you are writing that email, your brain is associating itself to a certain set of rules. There are rules that you do when you write an email. But when, the moment that phone rings and your brain in the split of a second just switches over to that, it has to ask itself, what are the rules of answering that phone call? 
and you focus on it, you answer it, and then when you come back over to the email, again, in that split of a second, you are reorienting yourself to the rules of writing that email, and then you're often having to reread it. What our research team found is that on average, when you multitask, you waste 28% of your day. Now think about that. That's really significant because imagine what you could do with 28% more time. It's not like we're talking about working longer hours here, folks. We're just talking about working smarter and more effectively in the hours that you are already working. This is something that as, as I have become aware of it, I now realize that when I move through the day and I'm trying to do more than one thing at once, I suddenly get headaches or I feel car sick. It's, it's really weird, but it actually affects my emotions. And this was something that we talked about internally with the One Thing team. And I had the conversation with Laura Hanley, who is on the One Thing team and helps us with all the content and the blogs. And here's what she had to say. I can definitely relate to the sense of uh, multitasking and becoming really stressed out because there's this kind of mythology around uh, work that you have to be handling everything all at once for everything to be moving forward. So when I'm writing, I always have music on that I am really familiar with uh, because that just kind of blocks out any ambient noise, uh, irregular sounds that would distract me. I have obviously headphones in so that it's a visual signal to the people around me, like don't talk to me, I'm working. I always have water in reach. I have something hot in reach, like, you know, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee so that I don't have the impulse to get up and down and disrupt what I'm doing. Um, I'll always close my email, always close my Facebook pages. If I need to, I'll turn off the internet because it's just, you know, one tab away to, to distractions. So you've got to be super focused about controlling your environment, I think, to control the, uh, the impulse to multitask. So let's talk about how you can put this into action, folks, because you know, we, can, we can share great content with you, but at the end of the day, you get the results when you put it into action. So when it comes to multitasking and how to eliminate it, first and foremost, look at all of your to-dos. Look at all the things that you could do, apply priority to them, and identify the one thing that you should do. Put them in priority and start acting in order of priority. Then open your calendar. Take a look at it and see, do you have time blocked on your calendar to accomplish that number one thing? If it's truly your number one priority, then what else could matter during that time? That's, that's the small window of time, even if it's for 10 minutes, that you get to say, you know what? I don't need to check email right now. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm going to put it on airplane mode. I'm going to be really extreme like Laura. I'm going to turn my internet off. That's, that's a whole nother level. And then get time by yourself and knock it out. I, th- it, I think it really can be that simple. I just think we often overcomplicate it. The next lie is a disciplined life, which I reached out to Garrett Linderman, who is one of our lead researchers on the One Thing team, to talk a little bit more about this. Discipline has a place, uh, but mainly up until the point where discipline becomes a habit. So everything that we do in our life consciously or subconsciously, habitually, like brushing your teeth, hopefully by this point, it's a, it's a conscious or subconscious habit, uh, is made through the power and the tenacity of discipline over a stretch of time. So instead of focusing just on discipline, focus on the habit, uh, which brings intentionality to your day-to-day life. So I want to give up sodas for, you know, I drink a lot of sodas personally, so this is why I'm saying this. Uh, instead of 
just drinking sodas every day. How about I cut back on that and make a habit of drinking one soda a week? And then maintain that discipline long enough. From research, we, we think that's 66 days on average to build a habit. So take 66 days uh, of discipline to form a long-lasting habit of just reducing your soda consumption. So what I'm hearing from Garrett is simply that you know the, the idea of a disciplined life is an illusion. It is a lie. It's more about how do we focus on the habits that we want to acquire and then leverage our discipline on a day-to-day basis on average for those first 66 days until it becomes a habit, until the car suddenly goes into auto drive and then it's a habit from then on out. Let's talk about the fourth lie that's crushing your productivity, which is that willpower is on will call. That's, that's a lie. Now, what's the difference between willpower and discipline? Here's an interesting way to think about it. When, when structure is applied to our energy and our tasks, that's called discipline. When you, it's sheer raw force that's being applied, that's called willpower. Where discipline is systematic and strategic, willpower is sheer overwhelming force. But why is it a lie that willpower is always on will call? This is another conversation that I had with the One Thing team, with Laura and with Garrett. When I kind of got into working for myself, I took a very uh, scientific, I guess, approach to to observing my working habits. And, you know, I was noticing these huge fluctuations in my productivity over the course of the day. And I really noticed that in the afternoon, if I left anything that I didn't really want to do to the afternoon, it would just not get done. And I would be able to justify it every which way to leave it to tomorrow. And so... Uh, I sort of started looking into why these energy slumps happen in the afternoon. And there's a whole bunch of research about uh, willpower and how it's affected by blood sugar and glucose that's available to the brain. So in the afternoon, you've kind of used up most of the glucose that is going to be released in your body for the day. And so if you need to get stuff done in the afternoon, you really need to be eating particular kind of meal at lunchtime, but also managing your own expectations. So I always now take about two hours off in the afternoon just to read and meditate and recharge a bit. And then I find my energy lifts a bit for another hour or two and I can get that final stuff done. Garrett, can you talk a little bit about why Laura feels that way and and the research that was done on the Israeli parole system? So yeah, there was a a study done on the Israeli parole system where some researchers looked at over a thousand parole board hearings uh, assigned to eight judges over a 10-month period. What they were doing was is that people were seeking parole and these judges, these eight judges, had to each view about 14 to 35 a day, which is a, it's a large number and it's a full day of work. They had two breaks scheduled out within the day. They had a morning snack break and then they had a break for lunch and then they would move on to the rest of the day. Now, what the researchers found was that parolees, your best chance of getting parole in the justice system uh, was going in front of these judges in the morning. So in the morning, you would have about a 60% chance of getting parole. By the time they were coming close to that first break, uh, your chances of getting parole would be about zero. And then the next segment of time that they had blocked off, uh, you would have, again, a 60% chance that hour or two before lunch. And then by the time they came close to lunch, it would be 0% as well. Uh, And the same was repeated from the end of that break to the end of the day. So you could probably attribute here that the decisions made by the parole board was just based off of energy. Uh, Maybe they're more enthusiastic about the parolees. Uh, Maybe they're more 
intent on being able to view the details of each case. And obviously, as the day went on, their energy was depleted. So we need to be saving uh, our most important work for the morning where we have the greatest chance uh, to be able to give it what it deserves to have. And this certainly resonates with me as well, because I know in the morning when it comes to when, to food specifically in the morning, I can make excellent decisions when it comes to eating the right foods. By lunchtime, I've still got it. But something happens by nighttime, though, even if I've had a perfect day of eating, I see that piece of cake or I see that cookie and it's just there is, there's nothing left in me to even fight it. So this is something I'm dealing with every day and I'm sure everybody who's listening can identify with this as well. Let's talk about the fifth lie that's crushing your productivity, which is this concept of a balanced life. How many of you, since you were kids, have heard of the term work-life balance? (laughs) Yeah, I sure have. And while I was always told that we can have anything we want, as I've grown up, I realized we can't have everything we want. Sure, we can have anything, but we can't have everything. When, When you spend time on one thing, it means that intentionally or not, that we cannot spend that time on something else. And this may be the most uncomfortable of the productivity lies for most people to overcome. After all, we've heard for so long that we can have it all and do it all. We can have a successful, fulfilling career while having a loving marriage, amazing children, the body that we've always dreamed of, traveling the world, have a great group of friends, time to invest in ourselves. The fact is, most of us can handle three, maybe four of these things at a time. When I was talking with our One Thing team, they, they informed me that there's a concept in psychology called primacy and recency. Having heard something early and often, we remember the information more easily and, ins- and assign sometimes undue importance to it. That's why the idea of work-life balance is so ingrained in our culture. People talk about it all the time. And because we hear about it so much, we believe it must be true and important. The truth is, though, it's a lie. Instead of balancing, we really should be striving to counterbalance, switching at appropriate intervals between our priorities. So example, if you want to live quote-unquote work-life balance, if you're balancing all the time, then you can't be focusing and thriving in work and be focusing on your family and be focusing on your health all at the same time. What counterbalance is, is saying, all right, for this block of time, for most of us, eight to five, nine to five, we are going to be focused on our career. We're going to be focused on work. Then from five to seven, that's family time. That's time where I don't think about work. I don't check emails. I am 100% going to focus all in on my family. Maybe you hit a workout class in the evening. That's from seven to eight. And for that dedicated hour, you're focusing on your health. None of that is balance. All of that is counterbalancing, switching from one priority to the other with an incredible level of focus. This is a critical shift to make on your road to living the kind of life you want to be living. When you're clear about what really matters to you, you can pour all of your attention and energy into that most important task at the appropriate time. And when you do that, that's, that's where the magic happens. That's when you get these extraordinary results. 
unrelenting focus on a specific set of goals is what makes great things happen, not a moderate amount of attention applied to an unlimited array of of priorities. So narrow your focus, focus on those things for the time that you have blocked, and then make sure you have the time blocked for all the things that matter to you. The final lie that's crushing your productivity is the lie that big is bad. And I couldn't think of a better way to share this with you than for Garrett to share one of his first experiences with Gary Keller. I was living in Montana at the time uh, where I was working as an investigative reporter uh, and I had a band up there and I was looking, you know, to become a rock star, just like everybody else, you know, when they're, when they're a kid. Uh, so I, I got up and I moved about half my band down here to Austin, Texas. Uh, and in that process, I was interviewing with Gary for this job. And essentially, he, he looked at me and, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big music buff. He obviously saw that I had two one things. I loved writing and I still love writing and I love music and I still love music. However, when our focus is split, um, you can't really give them equal attention. And where this came into was, yeah, I was making a big move for the, uh, the path to become a rock star, moving to the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas. Uh, but what was I doing for my writing career? And so what he did was he sat me down and he pulled out a chart and he pulled out uh, you know pen and paper and he just drew a, a simple graph. He said, listen, Garrett, I know you're, you're making big decisions now, but you have to be thinking in terms of thinking big. So doing big things and thinking big were really, you know, they were two different activities. So he just drew a line and he said, here you go. He goes, these are your actions now. And he just drew a line and, and it just went, I guess it was the lowest on the graph. Uh, and it just kind of was like you know, a little smidgen. It just moved up. The trajectory there wasn't that much. And he said, look at your starting point. He's like, in your life right now, you're right here. And this is looking out. And he said, now you can see at different points, there are bigger actions we can take, but it requires us to think even larger. And I'm thinking, I'm moving down here. Of course I'm thinking big, I'm going to be a rock star. It's exceptional. Uh, but it wasn't quite what he had in mind. And so he started drawing more more lines on the graph and they kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He said, look, this is an action that will get you here. This is an action that will get you here. What are those actions in your life? And that was really like the first time, whereas, you know, I, I'm pretty adept at having uh, my head in the sky. If you know me pretty well, it, it's something that comes naturally to me, maybe just because I, I don't have that kind of a limiting belief. But being intentional about thinking big is really what requires us to have big actions in succession that create a big life. So to recap, what Garrett's saying is in his mind, he was thinking big. He had moved from where he was down to Austin, Texas, which making any move in someone's life is a huge decision, especially to pursue a, a career in music. But then he sits down in front of a guy like Gary Keller, who has such a bigger perspective, who is able to map out the actions that Garrett is taking and showing him that it's actually not going to get him as far as he really wanted. And then starts laying out other options of, hey, well, if you were to think this big, it would get you here. And if you were to think this much bigger, it would get you here. And if you were to think this much bigger, it would get you even further. And this is the idea that Gary has distilled down to all of us who are in his world, which is big is not bad. In fact, it's vital. You have to think big in terms of your vision and then be willing to narrow it all the way down to that small action that you can take today, that one thing that you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. 
All right, folks. Well, there you have it. The six lies that are crushing your productivity and I'll recap them for you. The first lie is that everything matters equally. The truth is there are things that matter more than others and you should apply the correct amount of focus in order of priority. The second lie is multitasking. People think that they're efficient because they multitask and they are not realizing that they are wasting 28% of their day. So if you really want to be a more productive person, learn to monotask, learn to focus on one thing and get it done at a time. The third is a disciplined life. You know, discipline is great, but it's not really about discipline. It's about living a life of habits. So if you can use your discipline to do a consistent action for on average 66 days until it becomes a habit, then all of a sudden it goes into autopilot and you just continue to do it every single day, just like how you brush your teeth, hopefully, when you wake up every single day and before you go to bed. It doesn't require much discipline, but it sure did at one point in your life until it became a habit. The fourth is that willpower is always on will call. The truth is, it, it just isn't. It, it takes a lot of energy to apply willpower. And by the end of the day, it's simply gone. So recognize that if you have something that you need to do that is going to require your willpower, make sure you are doing it earlier in the day when you have that willpower that's there to help you push through. The fifth is a balanced life. You know, this is not about work-life balance. It's about counterbalancing, recognizing that there are, there are many priorities that we all have in our life and we can have much more rich experiences in each of those if we give our full focus to one priority at a time and then shift to the next one and make sure that we are focusing there, going deep and really enjoying that experience and then shifting and going to the next rather than trying all the time to switch between the two and trying to balance it all. And finally, the lie that big is bad. You know, big is most certainly not bad. After all, where would we be today if it weren't for people throughout history who dared to think big and then started by taking action on a very, very small level, but done over time created massive change for all of us. And you have the same opportunity in your life, the opportunity to think big in terms of your vision and your dreams, and then start by taking action on a really small level, that one thing that you can do such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I would love your feedback on our Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash the one thing book, that's all spelled out, the O-N-E thing book. Uh, leave us your feedback. You know, we're, we're still early in our journey with you. We're testing out different content formats. So I would love to hear, do you like these types of posts where we're going really deep into a section of the book? Do you like when we're bringing on other influencers who are playing at a really high level? Do you like when we're interviewing some of you who are fans and, and getting to have real conversations around your struggle? This is your podcast, folks. So we are crafting this content based on your feedback. So please go to our Facebook page and share your thoughts with us. And if you would like all future episodes automatically delivered to your device, make sure that you are subscribed to the One Thing Podcast. All you have to do is click the subscribe button on your screen. And once you do that, take a screenshot of it, email it to contest 
at theonething.com. That's with the number one, contest at theonething.com. And we'll send you a link to get a free digital copy of The One Thing as a way of saying thank you. So stay tuned to next episode when we talk about the top questions that fans like you have on productivity. Productivity.